This episode of Bomber Breakdown is brought to you by Jason Castro. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Bomba Breakdown. It is December 3rd. Um, the consistency is there, another episode, and there's always a lot of stuff to talk about um, in baseball. But, um, you know, we've got a lot of, we've got some stuff coming up. We've got some stuff cooking. There's some stuff going on in free agency and, um, you know, some trades going on. So, you know, you know the offseason's happening. We're news starting to come in, and we're just waiting for the Twins news to come in. Like I'm, I'm sitting here patiently waiting for that just pass alert. Every time my phone buzzes, I look over. It's like Carlos Correa signed, right? I look over, I'm like it's like it's like Carlos Correa signed, right? And he still hasn't signed, man. Yeah, I'm waiting for. And it's you know, bend over once again. <laughs> and biggest news, number one story this week: Jacob Degrom signed with the Texas Rangers, five years and one hundred eighty-five million dollars. That's so much money, Max. I can't even fathom. Like, also, it it could be uh, six for two twenty two, which is just you know another thirty seven more to throw on. But he could be six. He could be getting paid into his forties or like forty age forty season or whatever, and be making two hundred twenty million, two hundred twenty two million dollars, which is just. I did not have. Jacob DeGrom, the 34-year-old pitcher who's been injured for most last two seasons, signing a five-year deal for almost $40 million a year. And, like, you understand why they did it. When he's on the field, when he's pitching, Jacob DeGrom is the most talented pitcher in baseball. Me and Max talking before the show, I was saying, I think my number one is Jacob DeGrom, my number two is Shohei Otani. I think they're really close. Max thinks Otani should be lower as a couple guys ahead of him. But I think for both of us, we've got DeGrom as just the number one most talented pitcher. If you just need one out, one inning, one game, DeGrom's the guy to go to. If he's healthy, there's nobody better. And that's another thing is uh, is I think it's kind of been like – I don't want to say he's been his career has been tainted because he – I think everybody still thinks of him as the best pitcher in baseball. But like uh, 2021, he got limited to a short amount of starts. 2022 – it was even less, I think. I, I don't know. He was he was pretty injured, but I think he's going to be back for the beginning of the season. Um, but, I, I mean, you look back to 2018. 2018, yeah. Um, he pitched 217 innings. That's a very – that's a lot of lot of innings. 0.91 with 1.7 of the area. The iconic, uh, notorious 10-9 and record um, for his Cy Young and – uh, 2018, he won it again in 2019. So, um, it's been a little bit tough health wise for him since then. But, um, I think it was obvious that he was going to get uh, get bank. He was looking for a more lucrative deal, and uh, so that's important to the Twins in like a couple ways, I guess. I don't know. Like the Mets were obviously looking to get the ground back. Now they're going to be in Rodon sweepstakes for sure. They're going to be big on him, you would think, or Verlander, whoever. But, um, but they need a new ace and. Um, also, you know, a guy that the Twins, you know, I don't know if the Twins will – that's a five – $37 million a year is like – what does that tell you, Malcolm? Max, if, well, my first question is, if you're the Twins, do you take that deal? The Twins right now, if – Yes, Twins if, right if now. If you would say yes, God, I feel like I would have to, man. Really? I'm, no. Well, it's – think about it because, like, 
we were saying like Rodon, you could get like Rodon, even if you don't get Correa, if you get other good guys to build around, if you still, if you get Rodon, like that's something that just takes care of it. I don't know, man. I don't know what to say. Rodon's not going to make that much, but like five years of Jacob DeGrom, that's a big commitment. It's a really big commitment. I'm not doing it. But my point is, I guess, that like the Rangers may be overspent, but it's also showing that like, you're going to have to overspend to get one of these top pitchers. And maybe we do have to readjust what my calibration is. Because for me, that's way too much money to spend. But I'm out here also saying we need to get a top-tier starting pitcher. And there's only three of them, that we, as we said last week. And now one of them's gone. So there's two left. And I'd say there's probably – I don't know the exact numbers, but there's probably five or six teams at least in the market for those two guys. And the Mets are a team that we know will open up the pocketbooks. My guess would be the Angels are playing these markets – and they're willing to open the pocketbooks. The Giants were the ones that last had Rodon, and they're looking at spending $300 plus million on Darren Judge. If that falls through, if the Yankees get Judge, the Giants don't get Judge for whatever reason, they'll probably be willing to drop a couple hundred mil. And I just worry about the Twins getting outbid on these starting pitchers just because of limiting the fact that there aren't that many of them, and there's a lot of teams that want them that have much bigger payrolls than the Twins do. Yeah, and, and that's another thing. I mean, the the – the Giants are essentially taking that $35 million over over like nine years out of their pocketbooks for judging. Or not 35, like 30, 31 over nine or however much you're paying. You get the point. Um, I mean, they've had like Steve, Stephen Curry. Oh, God, Steph Curry. They've had him meeting with Judge and I saw all that. So like they're pulling all the strings just to, to get this guy. So, um, I mean, they're going to be real big in. Like if, if they don't get him, they're going to need somebody. Um but, yeah, I mean, this makes you wonder about other guys. Like, we talked about Ivaldi um, last episode, I believe that was. Ivaldi, um, I'm not saying he's going to make, like, bank, bank, but I wouldn't be surprised if Ivaldi was around, like, 20 mil. Just just because the market is super high, and if he falls later on, teams are more desperate. And Ivaldi has, you know, good, like, two or three – even like a low ace potential. So like, I think he could get somewhere around 20 million. And that just shows you that Jacob deGrom is a liability, no matter how good he is, just because of the injuries. If you, if you're, if he pitches five full seasons here, I mean, you're getting a great deal for the, for the Rangers, but I, I feel like it's just, it's tough to look at it like that. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, you worry about health. I mean, that's the reason that 34-year-old guys don't usually get five-year contracts. It's generally in baseball, the trend has been the older player gets, the shorter their contracts are. By the time you're 34, 35, you're maybe getting a two-year deal or a three-year deal if you're on the top of your game. And apparently the reason the Mets didn't bring DeGrom back is because most they were willing to offer is three years, and DeGrom wanted the five, and Rangers willing to offer it, so he signed. And... I mean, you've seen it not just with the ground. We haven't talked as much about it, but there was a couple other starting pitcher signings earlier in the year. Some guys that really weren't all that good that were like maybe number three pitchers that would be the Twins' number five guy or number six guy that were signing for $12 million a year. Yeah. Just coming out of the lockout, there hasn't been a normal offseason like three years for Major League Baseball. There was the pandemic, and then the still over the pandemic meant there's no winter meetings the next year and then we had the lockout last year totally threw things off this is the first year time in four years or the four it's been three years the fourth year now that we're finally getting out of a normal off season i think everyone's just ready to spend there's a lot of teams that feel like their competitive windows are open now and it's a really tough time to get pitching and i feel like 
I don't know how much this changes my calculus. I think the Twins should still be on a Rodon at just about any price. He's worth it, in my opinion. But outside of Rodon, if you don't get Rodon, I think that you're basically – I if it's me, I'm saying I'm out of the starting pitching market. It's too expensive. I'm hoping that the surplus of shortstops allows me to get a slightly cheaper price or just overspend on Correa. But just – I feel like this price the Twins out of any starting pitcher besides Rodon. And maybe even him. What do you think? I I'm really it's weird. I, I'm not saying I was banking on the twins getting a starting pitcher, obviously, because I think it's obvious that our number one um, need what we what we need to acquire is a shortstop here. Um, but the thing is our rotation is like we don't have that number one guy who's like a Jacob DeGrom level or a Carlos Rodon level. Um, but we've got that depth where I think we've got a solid rotation coming into 2020 to 2023. And I I think you'd agree with that, but like, like you said, there are guys like uh, Mike Clevenger just signed a $12 million uh, deal. He was not very good this year. He pitched a total of eight innings for the two years or eight games, sorry, for the two years before that. And it was like, fine. So um, I don't know. He's like 31. He's kind of exiting that prime time, uh, Sunshine time time, sorry. This is a nickname. But um yeah, I, I don't know. I mean I think that if we're looking at Carlos Rodon, we should just be looking at Carlos Correa that much more. I must like look at Carlos Correa, spend like an insane amount of money. I don't care. Spend an insane amount of money. Know that you're not gonna get Carlos Rodon if you do that. Um what I'm trying to say is don't let Carlos Rodon and this obviously massive starting pitcher um, market like you know Rodon I, I'm gonna ask you this in a second but like he'll get a lot per year so I don't think that they should let how much he may get paid affect how much we want to offer Correa offer Correa like an insane amount get him back and if it's not enough if it's not enough to get a guy like Carlos Rodon and it's enough to get other guys I'm completely fine with that I'm completely fine with that because we got you know we got the guy that we wanted um, which brings me to a question. How much do you think Rodon will make? It'll be, I think they're saying like a few, couple of you, like two or three year deal. I forgot what he was looking for. But um, how much do you think he'll make AAV next year? I'm expecting me somewhere in like the five year contract range with DeGrom, but for a little less per year, probably more around the $30 million year range. My guess, again, I don't know. I haven't talked across Rodon. I haven't read a ton about exactly. Yeah. There's been a lot of speculation because they. Yeah. He- like he's not saying this is exactly what I'm looking for because they don't want to give away any bargaining power. My guess would be about five years, thirty million a year, which would be five one fifty, um, slightly less than Degrom per year because again he's just not as good as Degrom, but he's younger, so he could still get the same length and maybe even longer. Like if I'm him, I'm looking for six years. If you're seeing Degrom get five, I'm looking for a six year deal. If you're getting six twenty eight twenty nine, like that's where I'm looking. If I'm him, but obviously. I would happily take a million a year for one year if that's me, because that's ridiculous life changing money for all these guys. We talk about it so casually, but I think it's good to remember like $185 million is an insane amount of money. Anyways, my point is I think Rodon will get slightly less underground per year for similar length. And I just, I think you're right that we can't let that price us out of the Korea market. We need to, Focus on our main goal, which is Carlos Correa, in my opinion. I think in the Twins front office, front office's opinion. And 
more or less say if Cray doesn't work out or if Ferdinand falls in their laps or if Ferdinand doesn't sign land in the offseason, we come back to it. But for now, like, I think he's dropping on your priorities list just seeing how much starting pitches are going for. Yeah, and, and um, something I think with, with DeGrom is pitchers – I'm not necessarily saying that Rodon is looking for the same um, – it has the same kind of idea ideals or the same kind of, uh, you know, what he's looking for in, in, the, in a contract. But DeGrom, I think I knew this for sure. I, I don't know how obvious overall it was, but, like, he was looking for, like – he wanted a contract that could lock him up for, like, until nearly retirement, you know? Pitchers pitch a lot later than hitters hit a lot of the times. And it depends, of course. It all depends. But, like, um, you'll, you know, you'll see DeGrom pitch until he's about 40 years old, and he could very well retire at the end of this five, um, maybe, maybe six-year contract, depending on how things go. So he was looking for that. He's saying, I could retire at the end of this contract, and it would be a nice full career. I'm not saying he's looking for a retirement. Point is, I'm getting off on this tangent now, but he was looking for that length. And I heard the Mets offered him, like, a three-year deal worth, like, $40 million a year. $40 million a year. Um, but he turned it down because, again, he was looking for the – that's, like, 120, and he wants that 185 over five years. Like, that's – it's less AV, but it gives him a longer contract. So that, that makes you wonder, like, is Carlos Rodon going to be looking for more AV? Is he going to be looking for more? Which I think is interesting because that's what we're going to find out maybe a little bit more uh, during the winter meetings. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I guess since Max mentioned it, let's talk about the winter meetings before we get back to a couple other trade that happened. But the winter meetings are coming up. The winter meetings are a time when basically all of baseball gets together in one place and tries to make stuff happen. Um, they do the draft um, and everything. They do the draft lottery. They do like the rule five draft happens, which is where if a player is not protected on a team's 40 man roster after playing a certain amount of time in the minors, other teams can take them. Um, but they have to keep on their major league roster. It's complicated. The twins have had it happen a little bit. We had a kill by stolen from us like that a few years ago by the Tigers. That was a rough one. He'd be fun to have, but again, he's at the lefty outfielder. It's not the end of the world to lose him. My point is, winter meetings, they bring all the GMs, all the free agent players go. Um, there's a lot of trades that happen. Often some signings happen while the players are there. There's agents. See all the reporters go, try to get the scoops. Um, it's a big scene, and a lot goes down. And I'm curious to see if much will happen this year. There's been plenty of action before, which means I'm curious if it'll spike, it'll stay the same, or if it'll just be kind of a dud of winter meetings. What do you think, Max? Well, um, I was looking earlier today at, like, uh, we were saying the in-person winter meetings, the last time that happened was in, like, 2019. Yep, because right before the pandemic. Um, was in 2019. And I, I remember, because I think that's when, like, yeah, yeah. So, like, Garrett Cole and Anthony Rondon. And I remember Steven Strasburg signed that, like, insane contract. Like, mm -hmm. Like Garrett Cole and Anthony Renato, those are all like record deals and stuff. You saw what, you know, Cole signed for and he's with the Yankees still and stuff. But like Strasburg has, um, hasn't pitched much since then. So it's, and Anthony Rendon has been a little bit, it's been a little bit interesting for him. But like these monster players sign monster contracts. Um, and I'm not saying that's necessarily going to happen here. I'm not saying Aaron Judge is definitely going to sign by then or, or Correa is definitely going to sign by then because I think Correa is waiting a little bit longer. And I feel like Judge could, you know, you could, I feel like Judge might go during the winter meetings. I don't know. It's, I have no idea. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm just talking. But uh, I, 
and really excited no matter what. Because it kind of, it's almost a way for it to just like speed up, you know, the process. It's like it forces teams, they're like, you're not going to just sit down and watch how everything plays out. You're going to just, you're forced to like go around and talk to people. You know how like a teacher like puts you in a group and they'll just say like, you have to discuss this and you have to share out other people's answers. It's kind of like that. It's like you're getting forced to sit down and talk to people and, and, and figure out everything. And so every team has somewhat like, you know, something to look forward to. It's like the twins are doing this during it, during the, this seems to be what the twins are focusing on. Cause a lot, there are a lot of reporters and journalists there too. So they, those guys cover it. And, um, and like a bunch of players are just walking around there too. So it's a real fun time. And I, I'm really excited. I, I don't know how long it lasts. It's like four or five days, I think. Right. Yeah. Something like that. Um, it's a dream of mine to go someday. I would love to, Go just see random baseball players walk around the hotel lobby. And yeah. If you if you live in uh, if you're around the Manchester Grand Hyatt in uh, San Diego, California, um, from to Sunday, December fourth to Wednesday, December seventh, then stop by. I will not be, but thanks for the heads up. Yeah. If you are there, any of our listeners in San Diego, you should go stop by. Um, any of our listeners not in San Diego, if you want to pay for a trip for me and Max to go to San Diego to get you scoops from there, we would happily accept. Yeah. Just sharing that. You can be from San Diego or not. Either way, you can pay for a trip to San Diego. Uh, there's no limit to that. It's a wide open possibility. Uh, Agreed. One name I just saw, Max, in doing some winter meetings research that I hadn't – we hadn't talked about last week as another starting pitching option. And I don't know if it's feasible at all. I haven't heard any sort of connections with the twins in this guy. But Kodai Senga is coming over from Japan. He's uh-huh. got – Really good stuff, has pitched well in Japan, and is a total question mark about what he's going to be in the major leagues. Do you think there's any chance Twins play in that market? And if so, what do you think the chances are? I've, From what I've heard, I don't happen. Like, I haven't heard anything about them. Have you? I, I haven't cause... heard either. I haven't heard anything negative. I haven't heard him, like, that connected to really any team, though. He's just yeah. kind of... He's talked to a lot of different teams. It's kind of like floating around there, but I haven't heard any, like, this team is, like, going after Senga the way – and it's not like Otani's mark where he was, like, the number one priority in that offseason. Like, when, when Shohei Otani came over from Japan, the number one priority for teams was, like, Shohei Otani is the number one guy this offseason, more or less, is what it felt like to me anyways, the media coverage. I don't feel like it's been that extreme with Senga, and it's fair because Senga isn't the type of unique player Shohei Otani is. We've seen that Shohei Otani genuinely is – not just a once generation player, but a once in the history of baseball player. Yeah, and the things he can do. And I mean, yeah, the, the people comparing him to you know Bay, you know Babe Ruth, and just the fact it's like who's who's going to end up being better just because of the fact that Otani um, is two way. But um, I mean, you see what saying is that I don't know. I, I've heard him a little bit. Like I've heard a lot of him and the the uh, sorry the Giants. I'm not saying they can get him, but like if they get Judge. Um, I don't really know how it's going to work out. I honestly don't know how much payroll flexibility they have, though. Uh, they did just lose Rodon, so I, I don't know. But I don't know. I mean, Senga tore up uh, Japan. He was He's really, really good. Uh, I think he's this is his age, like, 30 season. So um, he's not, you know, he's not too old or anything. He started in Japan when he was really young, and he's pitched for a lot of different teams. Um, but Where- I don't know, man. Back, I, compare him to Nathan Evaldi if you had to pick between the two of them to sign, ignoring like the money aspect. Just you had one of those pitchers next to you, which one are you taking? Senga or Evaldi? Yeah. I'd take I honestly I'd take Senga just because it's like fun. I, I don't know. It's it sounds weird, but like 
Senga is like the Yankees. I heard like I was thinking about him and like other teams want him. I haven't heard like anything about Eovaldi. Even though Eovaldi is a proven like MLB starter, like um, you've seen like a lot of guys who've pitched in Japan and played in Japan do well in the major leagues. And like this guy is legit in Japan. Like he posted a 189 ERA. He's clocked 101 miles an hour before. Like he throws ridiculous. I I think it's no doubt Senga for me. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. What's yours? I would say there's definitely a higher upside with Sanga. I think Sanga's upside is like a legit ace potentially. Like he, without a doubt, exactly. It's just oh, the thing is like we know, we know that Evaldi can pitch in the major. Evaldi's a safe option. I feel like you know what you're getting with Evaldi more than you do with Sanga. Um, but I think, like we said before, the Twins have the depth. They don't need a safe option. They don't need just a trusty number three guy. They need. They need an ace. They need a guy that can be the best. And even if he do- if he doesn't turn out that way, like, oh, well, you got, like, a decent pitcher, I guess. And if – I mean, maybe flops is like, oh, well, we spent some money and it didn't work out. That kind of happens sometimes. You got to take risks. But what this team needs is a number one guy. And if I was picking between those two, I'd go saying, again, I don't think it's going to happen. I just realized we hadn't talked about him last week and his name I wanted to bring up. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good point too. Um, do you know how much he's looking at? Like, how much he would? I have no clue. I feel like they're reporting on him. There's been like some slight rumors, but there hasn't been anything concrete, which has been like. I remember coming into it, it was a lot like this guy's a big, um, you know, because he's he's unlike any other free agent right now because he, you know, he's coming from Japan. We just don't. It's like very. Um, you just have no idea what to expect out of him this year. So people, teams are like, he could be very good. So teams are definitely looking at him, but he also might not be like that good. We just don't know what to expect out of him. So he's very different. And so I don't really know how much teams are planning on planning on paying him. So it's, it's, it, that's always a really interesting thing is when um, international um, uh, free agent signings or stuff like that. I think it's really, it's really fun. Yeah, um, I'm so curious what's going to happen this offseason. We gave you a bunch of ideas that I still have no clue. Um, yeah, I feel like I see a news story every day on LB.com or something that's just like twins chances twins slightly discouraged by Toxicology Square. Twins encouraged by recent Toxicology Square. Like, just diff- different stuff like that where it's like, I feel like every day it's like, oh, they're feeling good. Now they're not. Now they are. Now they're not. Like, it's totally back and forth, and they're offering him franchise record, easily franchise record money. I was telling Max for the podcast, I saw a thing that the only $300 million contracts ever given out in baseball have come from Texas, Southern California, New York, or Philadelphia. Like, just the biggest media markets in baseball. Um, just massive, massive cities. And nowhere, Minnesota's one of the smallest markets in Major League Baseball. And that's not an excuse why we shouldn't signing people the owners will have absurd amounts of money but for the twins to do that would be unprecedented and i am 100 percent here for it i hope it happens but also i just have no clue how it's going to turn out max i and that's the interesting thing is like there have been a bunch of things heating up we've seen what the twins have been doing we've seen that we're, we're saying right now we're saying let's go for rodan let's go for um uh you know let's go for korea and we haven't heard anything about like Senga or anything, uh, but we could just go out, sign Korea, hopefully, let's say that, sign Senga. That would be like that one out of the, I don't know, there's probably a guy that nobody has talked about 
um, or that we have not been connected to at all, like Senga, I think we haven't really been connected to him at all. No. That we could just sign out of nowhere, and and I'd be like, well, it's the twins, so it makes sense. But like, I I mean, I'd be one of those things where it's like, I mean, it makes sense that we would do a deal like that, but it's not like the one you would have thought of, you know? I feel like sneaky moves is twin side Justin Verlander right now, Max. Everyone's talking about Rodon, Rodon, Rodon. This was happening last year. Story, 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 story. And we signed Carlos Kraft. Like, we're aiming for the number two guy. Like, I would say Verlander's a better pitcher than Rodon. You may be looking for him at, at him for a long term of a deal. But just straight up year to year, I think Verlander's a better pitcher than DeGrom. I feel like that's what people are – we were kind of like last year settling for, oh, we're going to take Story, not Craig, because we're not in the market for Craig. We aren't going to spend that much money. But Story's going to be cheaper and not quite as good, but that's okay. We'll go for him. And the Twins pull out Craig, and I'm almost – I feel like the sneaky move for them is somehow end up with Justin Verlander. And maybe that's crazy. It probably is crazy because now that I say it's a sneaky but, move, it's no longer a sneaky move anymore. But I wonder if that's – like they're a little like no one sees it coming. All of a sudden the Twins are – you haven't seen them connected to him at all. All of a sudden they're going to sign him tomorrow. You never know. We need a little bit of crazy, too. I mean, it's not just as simple as, like, um, it's not, I mean, obviously, it's it sounds crazy right away, you know, when you say it, but, like, I don't actually remember what we were thinking, but wouldn't you say, like, Carlos Correa would have sounded crazy at the time just because, like, yeah, we paid him, also, especially the contract. I mean, we paid him so much money and, uh, like, you know, the option after the first year, and it was a three-year contract, but it was, like, $35 million a year, and we were, like, in shock at that. Like, I mean, I could not believe it. I mean, if the Twins signed Verlander, it'd be like, I'd say it'd be a pretty similar feeling. Like, we knew that Correa was there and that we could get him. It was just like, we had not heard anything towards Correa. We had just heard that, like, he is one of the positions that we could look for and he is one of the guys that we could look for. That's the same with Verlander. We could look for Verlander, but it's like I've heard a lot more about us connected to Correa and and uh, Rodon and guys like that than I have, and you know even like Hanniger than with Verlander. So it would be a really like out of nowhere just shocker. Yeah, make it happen, please. I don't know, man, I just this off season's confusing me so much. I have no clue what's going on, no clue what to expect, and I'm scared the Twins are going to – there's going to be the whole shuffle, and it's uh, musical chairs, and everyone's got to end up in their chair, and all of a sudden the time runs out, and the Twins are left, there's nobody good left. And I'm I'm worried, Max. They love to wait to the end of the offseason. I feel like the way things are moving, no one good's going to make it to the end of the offseason is my fear, but you know, somehow I feel like it's going to work itself out. I trust – I'm worried, but I trust Derek Falvey. I trust Thad Levine. Things are going to turn out okay, right? I don't ask me. I I mean they're gonna work out really well. We I think going into last year we were feeling pretty good about um the way things were feeling and um I think we're gonna feel you know the same. I think we could we'll feel even better about next year because I think we'll feel more like you know we've got that one through five that's good in our rotation and we you know Bundy and Archer were very big question marks and we just didn't really know what to think about them and. Um, there's a lot of different stuff going on, but um, hopefully they get they get the job done this off season. And I have a I have another question. We this wasn't really on our schedule, but um, uh, the poll ads, some stuff was going on with ownership. I heard. Do you know if that's going to affect like how much we're willing to spend? I haven't heard much about that. The owners are still the same. It's still the poll ad family owns it. The trick is they hand over the day to day operations are now 
run by a different guy instead of like Jim Polad like actually running the team and like making decisions and like communicating with Derek Falvey and said their I think it's their nephew Joe Polad is yeah. Yeah, I think that sounds right. It's Joe. I just think he, I think he's his uncle or his nephew. Yeah. Theoretically, it could change the amount they're willing to spend. Um, it's because like Joe is doing day to day stuff, and he could be like, you know, we're only allowed to pay this much. It's still the same family. They're still coming out of the same bank account. The checks are the checks are coming from the same people. I just I don't think it's really going to change that much in terms of spending. Um, yeah, I don't know, Jim's. I mean, he basically said, like, in the quote I saw, him, like, he's just been around for a while, more or less, and just ready to be done with it. He's been doing it for a long time. He does. He still wants to be, like, the owner of the team, but, like, he doesn't want to keep having to do the day-to-day stuff. It's a lot of work. Even yeah. And I don't think it has that much of an effect, but you never know. Maybe we'll go spend $250 million this year, and I'll be proven wrong. I, I just thought it was some interesting thing to like think about is, is like this guy, this new owner is taking responsibility on the day to day. So like, I, I'm not saying it was going to have a big impact, but I was like, you know, I wonder, I wonder if it will maybe at some point it's, it's something to just think about. Yes. Yeah, definitely something to be aware of. It's yeah. a good, good shout out. Um, before we wrap this episode up, we're trying to keep it shorter today after a real long one last time. I think we decided we're just going to do a little bit of John Duran appreciation. Um, we were just thinking about it today. I saw a stat the other day. And John Duran this year, I'm going to try to find the picture I sent Max real quick. If I can, if you give me a second. While you're doing that, I'm going to just uh, talk about John Duran. No, yeah. In the, in the ninth inning last year, John Duran, when he pitched the ninth inning, had a .42 ERA. The next best pitcher who like pitched, I think it was like a minimum of like 10 times in the ninth inning. The next lowest ERA for someone in the ninth inning was Emmanuel Plasse had a 1.27 ERA. That's Ever heard of him? times as high. And he's one of the elite closers in baseball. The best reliever in the ninth, the best pitcher in the ninth inning last year was Joe Duran by a factor of three, three times as good as anyone else at preventing runs in the ninth inning. And obviously, it's a small sample. It's just like, why does it matter if it's the ninth inning versus the eighth inning? It's looking overall ERA as a reliever. But like, that's really cool and just shows how dominant he was, especially in the big moments. Stepped up. It felt so good after not being able to trust our bullpen the two years before that to just have a guy. I even when Taylor Rogers was going good, I just didn't have the same kind of faith I have just every day in John Duran. You see him go out there, you don't have to worry that inning. You just breathe a sigh of relief and watch him go dominate and do what no other pitcher can really do. Yeah, and man, it's and this is it's kind of weird. Like it's obvious this is this one's just me, is like seeing lefties go out there and try to close games. Like Hater is a little bit different, I guess, because of his dominance like that we've seen. Um except for, you know, part, a lot of parts of this year, but like uh, with the with the potters at the beginning there but um like seeing some lefties like uh like rogers got there i was always like you know i'm confident because rogers is very good but at the same time i'm like my god i mean he throws like hard but he doesn't throw like 100 and i'm like i don't know i was always i was a little bit worried um but yeah i mean class a is like actually class a is younger than duran i just realized that but um he's really? been in the majors oh yeah he's he, they're the, they're like 24 but he's like you know 100 days or something yeah um, but either way, um, I mean, they had, like, very, very similar seasons. They put up – I mean, this is kind of weird. They put up the exact same war that season, um, according to baseball reference, and, um, like, the same age. It's just – you look at the ninth inning, which, I mean, that's the inning you remember. You can say all the innings are the same amount of importance, but the ninth inning is the one that you remember um, – uh, in terms of like if it's like a one run game or something, a lot of the times you'll remember that ninth inning where 
Um, Jawan Duran, the zero point. What was it? Zero point four, whatever ERA. Four two. That's oh my god. And like respect to Jackie Robinson. So shout out to that. <laughs> I'm sure that's why he did it. He could have yeah. like, actually, but he wanted to show respect to Jackie Robinson. Yeah, he could have given up zero runs. <laughs> um, but Classe and Duran are going to be really fun to watch dominate the ninth inning this division for years to come. I mean, we've got five more years watching those two just be elite facing each other, pitching, and we're just lucky. There's so many talented pitchers in baseball right now, Max. It's absurd the kind of stuff people throw. It doesn't feel possible. Just since 10 years ago, the amount of guys throwing 100 has like 10 times as many guys can do it, and they're throwing it 10 times as often. Like, like you saw 100. It was like, oh, my God, stop the presses. This guy just hit 100. And, like, you'll see, like, random middle relievers throwing 100. And you could say it makes less special, but also you just have to admire those guys put in so much work to get there. It's not an easy thing to do at all. The amount of hours they had to put in, the amount of training they had to put in, it's so impressive to see how fast that ball's going. And and another thing is, like, I don't want to keep going back to DeGrom, but, like, um, it's not like we're going to see guys going into the 110s, 120s, or whatever, because Jacob DeGrom, it's not like his body is weak or anything, and that's why he's doing it. His body is just, like, testing the physical limits of what a human body can do. Um. I mean, I've seen, like, it'll show him, um, you know, like, throwing a pitch and, like, the shoulder separation and, like, his shoulders are so far back and, like, his arm slot is just insane. Like, the amount of strain that that puts on your entire body to consistently go out there and throw 102 or whatever miles per hour, 100 miles per hour consistently as a starter, especially. I mean, like, that's just, like, testing the limits as to what is possible for a human. Um and now more and more guys are getting there. But I I still think – I mean, me and you both saw Joan Duran pitch in games in person, and it's just, like, that much more electric to see him than other guys. And he doesn't – he makes it look easy, too. That's even the crazier thing to me. Like, I don't know, sometimes it bothers me. Guys like to deliver and make it look easy. But he just, like – the ball – he looks like he's just, like – he just, like, kind of rocks back, and then he comes forward. And it's like, oh, he's kind of, like, throwing it. All of a sudden, it just – the way the ball zips out of his hand – it looks. It doesn't look like he's trying. All of a sudden, he's throwing pitches that should not be possible. It feels like. Yeah, and and that's a that's another thing. I seriously, I don't want to be getting off on these tangents, but like Broussard Gratterall, he like literally, it looked like he was just like throwing, you know. Oh my goodness! The most chill, like ten foot throw, and that annoyed me. I, I maybe that maybe you like that. I honestly don't know, but like, I, I that thought- one. That one really annoyed me because, like, it's like imagine what he could do if it looked like he was trying. Like, I feel like if it looked like he was trying, then I'd be like, "Well, okay, that's as hard as he could throw." But it's like for Alina, we could throw 110. It just doesn't look like he's trying. Which obviously we know isn't true, but it's just like a psychological thing. Yeah, I know it completely. Is. With Brand though, it doesn't bother me for some reason. Yeah, it's never bothered me. Oh, big too. Duran is a huge human being. Like, I want to meet Duran in person, but I would be intimidated. Like so intimidating. You're looking up. He's like six five and just jacked. Yeah, he's like six five two four. Being glare. Like imagine you're in the batter's box staring that down. Like how does anyone just like stand in there? I would just run away, like squealing a cake. I'd run back to dugout. Another thing is, I'm not saying this has this big difference. So like, you know, Duran's a few inches taller than a guy like Classe, and um, I I mean like. If you're talking stride, just like based on height, 
I wonder if it strides, you know, that few inches. Maybe it looks like it's coming in a little bit faster. Maybe it's just a little bit closer to uh, to the, you know, to the play. Maybe, maybe they have a little bit less time to react. So it's like very similar speeds, but like, you know, like Bailey Ober, we've talked about it. He's like 6'9 or 6'10 or whatever. His 92 plays a lot faster because because of how tall he is. And DeGrom, or, or sorry, Duran's not that tall. But I mean, 6'5 is, is nothing to nothing to laugh at. He's a huge dude. Yeah, every inch matters when you're throwing a pitch just to throw their timing off. Just make it look a little bit faster makes a huge difference. I think we should wrap this episode up. We'll be back with another one next week. And we... If we make come together, have some plans for a fun little episode um, where we are going to recap um, just or check in on some former twins, guys who have played for the twins at some point in the last 10 years or so and have gone on to major league careers or just successful lives in other places and see how they're doing, see what they're up to. Um, just little two to five minutes on different players and see what see how they're doing because we were thinking about we're checking out a few other guys. Kyle Gibson just signed a deal with the Orioles and Jose Brios still with the Blue Jays. We're just thinking about some of those guys. We're like, hey, this will be fun. Check out all the old Twins players. So we're going to bring back another episode like that next week. Before I close this out, Max, you got any final thoughts? Go Twins. I don't know. Korea. Hopefully, oh, maybe we'll have Korea by the next time we talk about this. Then we would push back that checking in podcast a couple episodes to talk about Carlos Korea for a while. I feel like that's fair, and I hope you guys aren't mad about that. If you want us to still do the talk about former twins after we sign Carlos Correa, we will try to make that happen for you. But if we sign Carlos Correa, I might not be able to say a word besides Carlos or Correa for the next two weeks. Yeah, me and I'll I'll pick up Malcolm in the middle of school, and we'll just record in a parking lot. (laughs) No skipping school. Don't skip school, kids. Unless it's for Carlos Correa. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of Bomb Breakdown. Remember, you can find us on podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Bomba underscore Breakdown. That's B O M B A underscore B R E A K D O W N. Thanks for listening to Bomb Breakdown.